Welcome to Navigating the New Normal, Grant Thornton's podcast exploring trends in business and the marketplace. I'm Therese Raft and today I'm joined by Alex Bell, Partner and National Head of Forensic Consulting at Grant Thornton. Today we're talking about payroll. Now payroll errors were front and centre 18 months ago and continue to raise headlines today. Welcome, Alex. Thanks, Therese. Now, Alex, take us back a few years to when payroll assurance was pretty big news. How did so many big organisations get it so very wrong? Well, I think there are two main types of issues that happened. One, um, I would call the deliberate underpayments, and the second I, I would call more inadvertent. And let me just uh, explain those a little bit. So deliberate by deliberate, I mean, you know, misrecording of hours and, and not paying people their proper award rates or shift penalties. And these are the ones we probably read about in the press at the start and, and led to the sort of wage theft headlines that we used, um, which I don't really think is reflective of majority of cases. And that's because the second lot are more what I call inadvertent. Now, it's important to say I'm not saying companies are, are blameless, but what I mean is it's not something they set out to do. And in these cases, you know, maybe they didn't realise that a specific award applied to certain employees and then had to go back and apply that award or they got caught up in the complexity. And I think, you know, we're still hearing about it because there is an increased focus from regulators and, and employees are also sort of more aware of their rights. Now, I understand that annual salaries were one of the regular causes of people being underpaid. Now, everyone has an annual salary, so a lot of people might not understand how this is a trigger point. Can you explain this a little bit more? Yeah, you're correct. It's been a big headache for companies. And in general, you know, people who are paid an annual salary are paid you know, a much higher rate than the award. And, and so most companies thought that they were, you know, easily covering the award requirements. But often those pay rates for annual salaries are, are based on just a standard hourly week, say like a 38 hourly week. But if you've got somebody who's working 50 to 60 hours a week regularly, what you'll find is that the more hours and the hours, those hours will naturally attract the penalties under the awards, like overtime penalties you'll find that the award kind of catches up to the annual salary. And really until very recently, salaries haven't increased much in the, in the last 10 years compared to the award rates. So where once there was a large headroom between the annual salary and, and the award, that gaps slowly got smaller um, and in fact overtaken um, the annual salary. There are also other factors of pay like bonuses which are not always able to be used when assessing the award entitlements. So, you know, somebody might have actually been paid more in dollar terms than the award, but part of that, you know, pay can't be considered. So, so technically they've been underpaid the award entitlements. And as you can see there, that there's a number of issues that arise. What One is that it's quite complex. And the other is that it's quite a dynamic environment you know, people often set and forget their payroll systems. 
but you know awards and legal interpretations change over time so if you don't keep up with that you can easily sort of fall foul of these kinds of issues so just as a point of interest i'm curious how many people in australia are actually on an award so what's the proportion of the population that are being caught up in this as an issue mm-hmm. i don't have the precise numbers but a large proportion of Australia's working population are covered by some kind of award, whether that's, you know, the retail award, hospitality awards, you know, specific agreements called enterprise agreements that an employer might develop. So there's a huge amount of people covered by them. So clearly not insignificant. Now, in that case, though, if it's if it's such a big issue, what do companies need to be doing? Well, the first thing they need to do is to understand that it's a dynamic environment and make sure that they do regular we we would suggest annual reviews of their payroll and for example reviewing these annual salaries against the award and in fact from march last year it's now a requirement for about 18 awards that employees reconcile employees annual wages every 12 months to the award and Fair Work has said that they're going to include additional awards uh, in the future, particularly the hospitality and restaurant and uh, health services awards, but there's no time frame right now. The other thing we suggest is to make sure they're collecting the right data. So one of the hardest aspects we found when we're doing recalculations for clients is where the data doesn't exist. For example, they haven't tracked the hours that people have worked. And this means when you're doing a recalculation, you're you're going away from the strict facts, which is the position we like to be in. And then you have to start making assumptions like estimating overtime hours somebody has made. And this makes it harder to perform a calculation and may lead to questions down the track. So if you can collect the data to start with, that makes people in a much better position. And overall, you really need the right people, processes and technology. And that way you can ensure that you're set up to succeed uh, and identify any changes you need to make on a timely basis. And you mentioned making assumptions like estimating overtime. Not only does that sound like it would be harder to get the calculations right, but it also opens you up to error. Absolutely. And you know, it's very hard to estimate exactly what an employee might have done. And we've seen people, you know, take, say, periods of six months or uh, and trying to estimate based on, you know, what they did the previous period or what they did the same time the previous year. And obviously, once you get away from those strict facts and, and, and into these assumptions, it's much easier for somebody to question your assumption and then say that you haven't got it right. And, you know, in all these situations where you're looking back, it's really important to make sure you get it right, you know, the first time, because the last situation you want to be in is in making, you know, payments to people and then later down the track realising that it's not quite right. Alex, the compliance sounds incredibly difficult, but I do think there were some announcements by the government last year on streamlining awards. So that clearly highlights that they recognise that complexity. And of course, that's going to mean changes to the existing systems, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And and back in May 2020, Scott Morrison announced there was going to be a working group formed on award simplification. And certainly my experience of working with the awards over the last few years is that I would definitely agree that's a great idea, that they are extremely complex. And, and this, unfortunately, is still being worked on. So we haven't got an answer as yet. But it's interesting recently that, you know, industry bodies are also getting involved. Just a few days ago, the restaurant and catering industrial, which is an industry body representing about nearly 50,000 cafes, restaurants and catering businesses, applied to Fair Work seeking a simplified classification structure and, you know, payments of simplified allowances. So it's good that a variety of people are getting involved and, and at least trying to suggest some solutions. So there's clearly a lot happening in the background. Does that mean that this as an issue is all fixed now? No, unfortunately not. You know, the, the simplest way of answering that is that we're still talking to clients about undertaking this review process and, you know, new issues are, are, are coming to light. I also think that these are probably the more proactive companies or companies who've had a specific question raised to them. And I would guess some organisations are still operating with a bit of a head in the sand approach, you know, assuming that it can't affect them. So if you're a director or, or in senior management, you know, our strong advice is to make sure that somebody has looked at this issue because many people have been caught out somewhere. The other part of why it's not um, fixed is that it actually can take several years between identifying an issue and a final resolution. Now, that's probably not great news to our audience or people who think that there is an issue, but it's very important in these complex calculations that a whole process is done to make sure the calculations are right. And then you've got to go and pay back the employees and then there may be regulatory uh, issues and ongoing monitoring. So, so it can take several years from start to finish. So it's not unexpected that, you know, we're still having people announce that there are underpayments. That's amazing that it could potentially take years to get from the very beginning of the process to the end. And I can absolutely see that there would be a temptation to put this off or to not look at it right now. But what are the consequences of getting it wrong now, particularly with so much media scrutiny in the past? Surely there would be very little to no sympathy for employers being caught out now. Yeah, I agree that the there is little sympathy for people underpaying uh, staff, but you do have to realise that companies that are still announcing this may have already been working on it for some time and the, you know, the actual underpayments may have been several years ago. So it's not like they're still underpaying people. Obviously, there's a risk to brand, you know, potential employee retention issues. There's, you know, the cost of repaying employees and, and potential fines. Because this issue has been around for a while, I would say, anecdotally, the, the PR effect seems to be lower than, than it might have been a couple of years ago. But, you know, it's still a very risk for our clients. And in terms of sanctions, it was interesting that, you know, in December last year, there was the Fair Work Bill introduced a new criminal offence for underpayment where there had been dishonest and systematic wage underpayments. And, and that was 
quite serious with fines of over a million dollars and potential up to four years in prison. This passed the House of Representatives, but didn't get through the Senate. But you can see that, you know, depending on how the government goes, that that this issue, I reckon, will will come back in, in future years. Uh, that's so interesting that you're talking about how that's moving and, and clearly people are at the crux of it and there's underpayments and there's sanctions, there's that kind of the day-to-day running. But there's also an additional and perhaps surprising cost of getting this wrong, isn't there? Yeah, and that's where um, somebody is um, buying or, or selling a business. And, and we've seen this in a lot of transactions. And what happens is... The value of a business in most transactions is valued on on profit and a multiple of that profit. So, you know, you say you, you've earned $2 million of profit and, and they'll pay five times that profit. So you get a $10 million transaction price. What we found is people who have got underpayments, they bought a business and discovered that there are underpayments in that business. And that means that not only have you got reduced profits going forward, but you've also overpaid for that business. And, and that, that overpayment is a multiple of the single year underpayment. That sounds probably a bit technical. So let me just explain that. So say you've got, you've bought a business and you've discovered an underpayment of $200,000 in the last year. What that means is going forwards, your profits will be $200,000 less each year because you've now got to pay those additional amounts. But it also means, say you paid five times earnings when you bought the business, you've actually paid five times that $200,000. So you've paid a million dollars more than you should have paid for the business. Wow, that sounds like uh, getting it wrong can have a long-term impact on the value of your business absolutely um you know and these multiple effects uh we've seen in a number of transactions some people have tried to get insurance around these you can get warranty and indemnity insurance but we understand from the market that these payroll issues are now not being covered by recent policies for warranty and indemnity insurance mostly because these issues can come out and as i said can cause a and cause a huge effect. Interesting. So yet another reason to check your payroll assurance. If we look forward a little bit, clearly job security is high on the agenda for many people, even though our economy is going quite well. So do you anticipate that payroll issues will not only just continue, but will they make more of a resurgence, become more to the forefront of media and our attention again? Well, I think this will be an ongoing issue, not least because, as I've said, it it takes so long to understand and rectify the issues. And I think this issue has been bubbling away underneath the surface whilst we've been distracted with COVID. You know, people are still reviewing their systems and and finding issues and fixing them. So, you know, maybe the the headlines aren't quite as often, but it's still going to be a relevant and important issue. I've also been reading a little bit about the massive market for payroll automation software. And in fact, the government is also talking about investing in reg tech to help support businesses to comply. Is this the way of the future for payroll and business? Yeah, I definitely think technology can help here as it's really 
you know, an application of, of rules. Um, the awards are very complex and, you know, you can easily have 30 or more factors to incorporate. Um, so obviously when you're calculating someone's pay, so having a technology solution will definitely help. However, you know, I think from our, we know from our day-to-day -day lives, technology isn't the solution to everything on its own. You, you need the right people and processes to make sure it's implemented correctly. And I know Scott Morrison last year announced the digital business plan, which is an $800 million program, including over $11 million to help the regulatory technology sector. And this is to provide grant funding to develop innovative solutions to help government policy and, and challenges from that. Uh, I believe that applications close, uh, we're recording in the beginning of June, the applications close on the 17th of June. So if they're listening before then, you know, there's a short time to apply for those grants. So hopefully from that, we might see some more solutions come about. There's clearly so much happening in the back end that most of us don't see. Um, however, with what, 12.6 million people employed in Australia, payroll and payroll assurance is clearly an issue that impacts on everyone. Do you have any advice for businesses that may be concerned about their own systems or not entirely sure about how to check their own systems in this very complex environment? Yeah, there are a number of sort of easy things that companies can do. It might be from a simple health check on the payroll system. So payroll systems have different codes, which are called pay codes, that tell it, you know, how much to pay. And a simple review is to make sure that these pay codes exist for all the requirements of the awards that affect you. So do you have an overtime a pay code that's at the right rate? You know, do you have pay codes that allow you to pay first aid allowance? You know, and if you don't have that and the award means that you are supposed to pay people those allowances, you know, it's an easy way of identifying an issue. You could also do a health check around the data that your time recording systems are collecting. And the next stage would be to do a sample review of employees who you think are at risk. We talked earlier about the annual salary review, but you could also review specific employees to identify if if there is an issue. We'd normally do that for a couple of pay periods. And finally, you know, make sure that payroll review is part of your ongoing business processes. As we said, it is quite dynamic interpretations and awards change, and they're very complex. So you've got to make sure that this is something that, that is part of your ongoing work and not just a single review that you then forget about. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Can people track you down on LinkedIn, phone or email if they'd like to talk more about what's next for payroll or their own business circumstances? Absolutely. You can find me on, on LinkedIn or, or my details are on our, our website. I'm fascinated by solving you know complex problems and, and trying to work out what's happened for companies. So always happy to have a conversation with people. Fantastic. If you liked this podcast and would like to hear more, you can find and subscribe to Grant Thornton Australia on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.